from that way? Which way did I come from? I don't know. Watch out. Ugh. Welcome to the TFA Training Club. My name is Tobias. If you're here for the first time, just know that I don't always do this, you know, from the middle of the Today we're going to talk about one of my favorite things to talk about, which is pitching, the art of pitching, and that is such an important skill for you to learn. You know, even if you probably already know how to pitch to some extent, but there's always more to learn. You know, for me, this was one of those life-changing skills because, you know, in addition to your expertise, obviously you need to be an expert at what you do if you're selling professional services or if you're selling a product, you need to be a pro. You just need to be a professional when you get in front of people, when you influence people, when you motivate them or bring out that motivation that you know exists inside them. So I'm gonna share five of my favorite ideas that will help you, uh, you know, become a significantly better at pitching. Now, don't just understand these ideas intellectually, make sure that you implement them, that you practice them because that's where the magic starts to happen is when you put them into action. So anyways, great to have you here and let's jump into today's training. Okay, so let me share a little bit about my own story before we get going because a lot of people here, you know, work for agencies, they own agencies, they're entrepreneurs, they're, they're you know, used to selling to make their living. So I wanna, I wanna just share my story really quickly. So about 15 years ago, I had already worked for, let's say, 10 years for large organizations. I worked for the Coca-Cola company, I worked for Nike, uh, worked in digital media and so forth. And I, I got invited to become a partner uh, at this large marketing firm. And so they put me in charge of their largest account and I had 30 people in my team. And so we did like millions in annual sales. And you know, I wasn't new to pitching, you know, or as I say, I started really pitching there. But before I uh, started my own agency, I hadn't really pitched, you know, without the credibility of an agency or someone sort of as backup because when you have a large uh, you know agency with a lot of resources and so forth it's not just your credibility that it's uh, you know at stake it's much more than that and in addition of course you know we already had the trust we had the re relationship and so forth so even though i thought i was pitching and doing really well i really didn't know what i was doing i just i just basically sold stuff i don't know i don't really know why i think it had to do with the agency, with the reputation. And I don't think I was particularly bad, but I was just doing sort of the diplomatic way, just being very nice and so forth. And it worked, but that's fine. But it's different when you're starting from scratch. So later I set out my own, you know, set up my own company, my first company, brand, a brand consultancy called Wonder, still exists today. And, uh, and uh, the brand consultancy started with me going by myself. I was alone. I started with 8,000 euros of capital. I started alone. I then, you know, quickly hired a couple of designers, but I had to go to clients and that's where I realized I really didn't know what I was doing. So what I used to do, and that's something I've heard that a lot of people do, is that, you know, 
I went uh, in front of customers and I had my thinking, which I was really proud of, my own methodology and my ideas. And I had a bit of portfolio as we were doing more work. We had more you know, uh, stuff to show clients. And I used to go in there and sit down and we had some coffee and I could you know, typically make them feel you know, pretty good and relaxed. And, and so I showed the work and I was really eager to show the work because I was so proud of it. And you know, uh, it really became one of those presentations where I was showing a lot of references and so forth and they were not talking so much and I did the fatal error of actually kind of broadcasting a kind of a standard deck in front of them. And as my good friend and uh, later partner and sales director pointed out, it's like showing vacation pictures to a stranger. Like they don't really care. Like you're emotionally attached to that work and you're thinking, but they're not. And so that doesn't really work that much at all. You know, and I've been looking at what she's doing, you know, in parallel for all those years where I have this really slick presentation, which I'm really proud of. And, you know, she's just showing up without a presentation and she's just killing it. I mean, she's selling so much more, you know, and so I learned a lot from her. I'm going to share some of the principles that I learned from her, some of the ideas, and uh, those were really game changing. So that was my story. So I really struggled in the beginning. And I know in retrospect, you know, all those hundreds of meetings, even important people that I met, you know, high up in the organization, I met with these people and I just did it all wrong. If I had known what sort of tools, what techniques I could have used, and they're not gimmicky, you know, they're just there to help people, you know, uh, you know, to make a decision and understand what the real problem is and so forth, which we're going to be discussed. But that's what I didn't understand. And that really, you know, I left so much money on the table. My agency, my consultancy didn't work as, you know, it didn't grow as fast as it could have. And of course, uh, all the work that we didn't get to do, all the impact was left there. So I don't want that to happen to you. Anyway, so that's the backstory. And uh, I'm going to share five important lessons with you. And, you know, really, as we go through these, don't just sort of try to understand them intellectually also you know really think about how you can implement them you know some of them will will not be new to you but the question is uh, are you practicing them so number one the first thing I want to talk about is psychology and in my 10p method that I teach in pitch like a pro this is P number one so it happens before the actual pitch before the actual preparation before the actual you know showing up whether it's a live presentation whether it's a zoom call a Skype call whether you are pitching on video or sales letter or just writing text on on the, on, on the web because these ideas apply to all of it by the way so anyway so before you do anything you have to understand you know the psychology of yourself but also the psychology of the buyer so I talk about the buyer psychology the psychology of the buyer the psychology of the seller and they are both you know, so important in this whole game and this whole art called pitching. So the first thing, we start by the seller, the psychology of the seller. That means you, you know, if I could only teach one thing, it would just to, to then that would be to help you understand that your identity, the beliefs that you hold about yourself and how you think about selling, those will determine your success. Like you will figure everything else out if you just learn how to think bigger and believe in yourself and think of yourself maybe not as a salesperson, 
but you reframe what it means to pitch and sell. So for example, for myself, and I know for a lot of people out there, you know, you're, if you're watching this and you, you might be able to relate to this, uh, you know, you don't maybe like the idea of selling. You don't like pushy or being pushy. And uh, you know, it's a little bit of an awkward thing to do unless you're a trained professional, which I wasn't. And uh, still today, I don't think of myself really as a salesperson. I instead kind of reframed what it means to sell. And to me, you know, I was thinking, you know, through it this way. If you're not selling your work, if you're not pitching, it means that you're not helping people. So if you don't believe in yourself, in your ability, if you don't believe in what you're selling, you're not going to make a sale. So what I would do and what I would advise you to do is to first think about what does selling mean to you? What does pitching mean to you? And try to sort of think about those maybe limiting beliefs that you have about yourself, your capability, or maybe what those meanings are to you, because you can change them. If you change, you know, from being maybe a pushy salesperson or salesy, think of yourself as a professional, a professional expert, maybe if you're in the expert business, and think about you're there to help people. And you know, when you do pitching and selling right, it doesn't really feel like selling. Like, you know, for me, I just get excited around people when I hear their problems, I hear about the future they want to create, and it kind of flows from there. I don't think of myself as selling anymore, whereas in the beginning, it was quite different. So the first lesson is the psychology of the seller that's you. And I want to leave you with this idea. Your sales, your success rates, the prices you charge are always in direct link you know, with your self-concept, your identity, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about your ability to, to be successful with pitching and selling. So two things, reframe what it means to sell to you. You know, visualize and think about selling as something beautiful, something exciting where you get to help people and make an impact in this world. And secondly, expand your own identity and your beliefs to support you. You know, if you think that you can sell stuff, you know, whether that's projects or, or products or services for the worth of, you know, of, of $100,000 per year, then that's your, your game. Your zone is pretty much that. It's defined by that. You set the limitations on yourself. If you believe you're someone who should be selling at a million, you know, 10 million, 100 million, then that's gonna be your zone. You know, it just works in a magic way. You have to be in alignment with, with your self-concept. And that is so important. If, if you have the confidence and you believe in yourself, you can figure out everything else. We can just stop right here. We're not gonna do that though, because in addition, even if you already have the confidence, it's also vital to know the other steps and the other things I'm teaching here. And by the way, again, if you wanna do the whole full course, there's 10 lessons and a bunch of other stuff in the course, Pitch Like a Pro, uh, we get to that toward the end. But anyways, so that was the first thing I wanna talk about is the psychology of the seller. Now then there's this psychology of the buyer. And uh, you know, I'm not gonna go too deep into this, but one of the things that really helped me over the years, because you know, when you dive into the world of psychology, you know, behavioral psychology and all the different you know, neuro terms that are out there, it just kind of can confuse you. So what I really like to use is you know, the good old pleasure principle. The pleasure principle is a term that was coined by Sigmund Freud. And really what it means is, you've probably heard of it, it's just like, it's very simple, it's the pain and pleasure. Pain and pleasure principle is also called that. So we are always, human beings are always trying to move away from pain 
and we're always trying to move toward pleasure. And pleasure, of course, is anything positive, uh, you know, and, and, and pain is just like anything negative, like cost or time spent or fear or insecurity and all these things, you know, that, that we all carry with us all the time. We're always looking out. We're always, you know, assessing every situation, every deal, you know, through that lens. And there is something called long-term pain and short-term pain, and there's something called short-term uh, pleasure and long-term pleasure. So think about going to the gym, for example. You know, if you link more pain with going to the gym, short-term pain, versus, you know, uh, being fit and healthy, maybe for the rest of your life, or creating good habits, then uh, you're not going to do it. So the trick is, to, to get, uh, you know, to see which force is stronger. So that's a very simple way to think about, uh, think about how, you know, what motivates people. And so the rule of thumb and, and a breakthrough point to remember is that people are usually more motivated by moving away from pain than they are, uh, you know, that by, uh, you know, achieving something pleasurable. Like, you know, it's nice to have a nicer future. We all want a better future. But, you know, unless people feel the urgency, the pain, the hurt right now, they're not going to take action. And that is one of the key lessons that I learned. So when we talk about the psychology of the buyer, there's, there's more to it. You know, there's the pain and the pleasure. That's kind of the guiding principle. Then there's also something uh, that I call the customer blueprint, which are four different levels of needs that everyone has. You know, it's going to take me a bit of time to go too much into detail. I have other training where I, where I really go into more depth when it comes to this. But let me just tell you this. You should be interested in more than just like what do they want, which is the desired outcome. And that I call that the what. You know, you should understand who they are. What are their values? What are they like as human beings? Of course, that's kind of self-evident, but you need to go uh, into more depth and understand who they are outside the context of what you're selling. So, you know, people might want to be better off short term with something that you're, you're selling them, but they're going to be affected by their values and their beliefs. They want to understand what kind of people they are. You also want to understand how they'd like to get to that outcome and what kind of pain and pleasure they link to the different steps that they have to go through. So, you know, buying anything uh, is always going to be a journey and, you know, there's always pain and pleasure involved. And of course, you want to remove the pain, you want to bring more pleasure and make it easier, more convenient, more fun, whatever it is they want to get to that outcome. And then there's also that level of the why. So, you know, more than the sort of surface level needs, we all have those, those beliefs and those values and those deeper drivers that you have to identify and they're really linked to people a person's identity so instead of just asking yourself who are they you might also ask the question the great question which is who do they want to become who do people want to become and if you can understand who people want to become and if you can provide something that will help them transform you are in a strong spot so even if you're selling something like a, a pen I imagine, at least it works if you're selling a pen, but if you can go there and you know, sell a large order of pens, but really what you're doing, what you're, what you're really offering the buyer is, is a personal transformation, then you are in a strong spot. If you do that legally, of course, I don't advocate anything that is not ethical and legal. So I talked about those different levels. So I talked about the, the who, the what, the how, and the why. And that concludes the first point, which was about the psychology. Now let's move on to the second point I want to talk about, and that is the positioning. So 
one of the biggest mistakes that I see with people around me uh, that I, you know, that was also the big, one of the biggest problems, I had many terrible things I did which didn't work, was that unless you position yourself, you know, to the buyer, to the prospect in a way that make them think of you as their best choice, the best choice that they have, or rather, as I like to talk about it, their only viable choice, then you're always going to be in competition. And you don't want to be in competition. You want to be seen as the only choice. And that is really the only way that you can charge higher prices, where you can claim more of that power that always exists between the buyer and the seller. There's always a power relationship, a little bit of power struggle in every negotiation. And typically, you know, if you're someone who works for an agency, for example, there's a zillion agencies out there with a pretty similar offering and they look and talk very much the same. And I, I know because I used to be one. Uh, and so, you know, your job is to position yourself, you know, yourself, your personality or what you offer or whatever it is. It just needs to be something that they can think of as their only choice. And when that happens, they think, okay, you know, we don't want to choose someone else. Suddenly you have a bit of power. I'm not saying you have all the power, but you have some power and that power translates into higher prices and setting better terms for yourself because you want to make sure that you set good terms for yourself. And what happens if you don't position yourself typically is that you're seen as just kind of a commodity. They can change you, they can replace you. You're always living a little bit of a fear if you're, if you're into a relationship with a client. They know they can replace you whenever they want. They set the terms, they pull down your prices. In other words, your margins, you're gonna live in stress and anxiety. And I don't want that for you. So therefore positioning is vital to the process of, of, uh, of pitching and selling. So lesson number three, one of the biggest lessons that I learned, I learned the hard way, I paid my dues, I paid, I left so much money, I keep saying that, but it was so frustrating, I don't want that to happen to you, is the problem. So in other words, so let's say you're there, you wanna create a better future for your client, you want them to be better off, but unless you can demonstrate and identify the root problem that perhaps they have failed to see you're probably not going to make the sale. And what I mean by that is they need to be hurting. You are actually in the business of hurting and healing. And I know that sounds kind of nasty, but it's true. And I don't mean that in a, in a, in a, um, in a way that you're there to create pain, but I need, <laughs> I almost mean that because I mean, you are there to bring out their pain that they already have, that they're failing to see. So let me just very carefully explain what I mean by this, because you know this is um, this is also one of those uh, one of those moments in the pitch where you could go awfully wrong. And so let's say I start my pitch and I talk about the beautiful opportunities, the possibilities that that I see for a client. But then at some point I'm going to shift over. I'm going to start you know coming back from that beautiful, fussy, you know blissful uh, place, that future they want. I'm going to come back to reality. And we're going to start hitting them or even slapping the client a little bit gently with some truths that they know are true and therefore they're going to hurt. For example, you have a client who, uh, who wants to go, you know, move their business more online. You could ask them, you know, okay, this sounds great. You know, uh, you know, if you don't mind me asking, why are you not there already? Like what is taking you so long? Like that's an example of 
a question that will stir up the emotions a little bit and uh, you know it can make clients a little bit uncomfortable but that's the whole point the other way to do it is to identify a problem that they have failed to see that they have failed to identify and uh, that will position you again uh, you know closer to the only choice and more than that if you are in a competitive pitch if you change the problem that you're there to solve you're gonna ch you know change the brief so for example I've often been in pitches where there are like five agencies competing against me and one of the the killer tricks that I do I don't like calling it a trick really but a strategy is is I will change the brief to my favor but I don't do that in an unethical way I do it because I believe that in some way they're not addressing the right problem and if I shift and reframe their problem and I get them to feel a bit of pain uh, associated with that that they haven't realized it and yeah you know perhaps this guy's right not only will that help me you know uh, stand on my own and not have the other competition you know uh, when we change that and we reframe it and secondly it can really help me you know position myself because that's something that I do afterwards at first you know make them feel the real problem and I make them hurt a little bit and then I position myself I teach all about that in pitch like pro okay so we talked about the problem why it's so important that your client your prospect they have to feel a little bit of pain for them to actually take action and more than that they have to feel the urgency to do it now that is the single reason why I had so many great meetings hundreds and hundreds of meetings where people actually I think they they maybe even liked me you know, some people do you know they, they actually like what I what I had to offer they probably you know we had a good rapport but there was no urgency there was no reason for them to act right now they probably wanted to but you know they don't want to put their own career on the line or their job or whatever it is or they just want to spend the money whatever it was they have to feel the pain they have to feel it now you get that already okay good that brings us to the next uh, point number four and that is about anchoring your price in value and uh, this is so big I don't know where to start again this is one of those breakthrough points that I could just like hit myself in the head and say what was I thinking I didn't know this anyway so before you reveal the price I know some of you would know this but you could probably do a better job if you're really honest well let's see let's see so before you reveal the price always embed it anchor it in the highest possible perceived value that you can whenever you are pitching anything whether you're selling a product or service or anything people have to understand the context the value that they're getting and again if they if they don't feel like there's a big want that they actually want a certain desired outcome and if they don't believe that you can deliver it and you're uniquely positioned to do it if they don't feel that pain if they don't feel that urgency and if they don't think that that price is will give them like a huge upside there has to be more perceived value than the price I always think like for professional services I always start to think like anything I sell needs to have a perceived value of at least 10x like that doesn't apply to all the categories but I really want that to be for example when I created pitch like a pro again you know can get it for a few hundred bucks if I wouldn't believe that you can get you know a a hundred X result like within the first year maybe the first few months you know then it's not a good product like I really need people to understand how much value there is before I reveal the price otherwise they don't know if it's cheap or if it's expensive 
And the same applies to you. And I see this problem all the time. Like when you get to the point where you talk about the price in your pitch, you need to remind people of the difficulty, of the complexity, of the problem, of how you are uniquely positioned to solve it. And you can throw in some numbers to show the upside and then segue into the price discussion. You, you hope that you follow what I just said there. So, for example, you might uh, ask the person you're talking to to draw up like some, some numbers that they believe in. And then you'd see, for example, if I'm selling a project, like for me, that could have been a brand strategy project, I could have asked a client to say like, hey, what do you think, you know, if this goes really well, what, uh, how much, you know, sales could this generate? Like, let's say over the next uh, 12, you know, to 12 months to three years. They may, maybe give me some numbers. If they don't, I'm just going to start, you know, applying some numbers and I'm going to ask them if they think it's a fair calculation. And of course, it's just going to be an estimate. And, you know, we're going to take, let's say, um, uh, average sale times how many sales, how many clients, how big is the market and so forth. And we get to a number. And then I use that number uh, to get into the price discussion. So, for example, uh, my good friend Thea, who taught me really how to do this, one time, one time we were at this large dentist uh, company and there was a CEO who was kind of a numbers uh, person and she was asking him for numbers and then she drew a number that, you know, we're not going to go into the whole story. Uh, she drew this large, you know, 50 million on the, on the whiteboard and he was getting all excited about the number because he had come up with it himself. So he saw like a huge potential with the concept that we were there to pitch. And so this, you know, this um, concept, the project that we had, that would normally sell for about 50,000 if you just did the sort of cost plus type of pricing, which we know agencies typically do is like, okay, how many hours, how much time is it gonna take and so forth, what's the market level and so forth. That would have led to like 50,000. But because she drew 50 million as a realistic upside, she could e easily say like, what would be a fair compensation for that? You know, how about, you know, 5% or something? But anyway, I think that's, no, 10%. No, 1% is what she came up with. And that uh, led to a 500,000 project. So half a million, you can imagine what's the difference between 50 and 500,000 uh, for uh, compensation for that type of project. And we did it and the results were remarkable. Everyone were really happy. So that's why, always anchor your price in the perceived value. Okay, that brings us to the final point. The, the last thing I wanna talk about today is the importance of packaging your deal. Packaging your deal means, in addition to having a great offering, to have a great strategy behind it and positioning yourself really well, what you want to do is to make it easy to buy your product. So. For example, when I say product, I mean your project, whatever it is you're selling, obviously. You know, what kind of a guarantee can you give people? For example, pitch like a pro. If you buy it, there's a 90-day full money-back guarantee because I know it's going to remove some of the perceived risk and I know it's a great course. Do you see how I'm pitching at the same time I'm, I'm doing this, by the way? <laughs> it's all intentional. But anyway, so I give like a full money-back guarantee for 90 days because I want people to be able to try it for themselves, to see how it works so they don't feel like I'm selling like uh, something that doesn't work for them. And by the way, you know, if you're... Um, if you want to build a brand and think long-term like I do, I always give people their money back if they ask for it. Not that anyone has, but I would always do it. Like even if I say 14 days or seven day trial for any of my programs, 
of course I will give them their money back even a year later if they're disappointed because I'm here to build brand I'm in it for the long term and so should you as well convenience make it easy for them frictionless and remove the risk take as much risk away from the deal as possible but you can also do that in a way where you the more risk you take on the more upside you get you know so you can package it in so many different ways another thing is don't give them one price if you're selling a service where the outcome is is somewhat you know there's some sort of you know it's difficult to predict the outcome so like a creative project for example give them one big price and that would you know anchor the price again to say okay you could do this or we could do the mid-level price so there's a smaller one that's going to help them make a decision and they're probably going to go for that middle price but then you know you could do upsells you could do downsells you could do cross sells there's so many different ways for you to package your deal to make it easier for them to buy and you know really when you come to the word the end of the pitch you want to be able to to use a nice term to push them over the edge a little bit and you can do that by you know baking in some bonuses providing those guarantees or why not even a power guarantee which means that you you know it's, it means risk reversal so taking back taking the risk not only neutralizing it but giving them something in return if they're not happy those were the five lessons that I want to share with you I hope you found the value in those and again you know you might have heard some of those ideas before the big question is are you implementing them are you getting results because if you're not getting results something is off and I'd love to be there to help you to instruct you I mentioned pitch like a pro a few times it's only a few hundred bucks if you act fast you can get it really really affordable it's gonna give you a multiple I don't know how much let's say a hundred a thousand X if you do well and like I said otherwise you're gonna get your money back and so if uh, if you decide to enroll in it I will be available for you to answer questions to uh, we have this social learning platform at the TFA training club our learning platform where you can ask questions I'll be in there daily I'm also going to do these Q&A's where the whole course is structured around 14 core lessons and I made them quite short so they're like 10 to 20 minutes each and uh, and it comes with a 43 page workbook by the way manual which is beautifully made it's kind of like a step-by-step -step manual there are 10 steps in there I wanted to keep it fairly simple because I know that most people never finish these courses so what I decided to do instead is I'll give you 14 core lessons which you can consume in like two and a half two to three hours and then after that I'm going to be doing this bonus Q&A so I'm gonna dive into each of the 10 you know ideas the 10 P's and I'm gonna explain more through cases I'm gonna take questions I'm gonna help you implement each and every one of them so I want you to be able to as a result you know from taking that course you're going to be able to you know uh, over time as you practice this you don't have to think about it anymore you always know how do you prepare how do you go into the meeting what is the first thing you say what are ways to to turn uh, turn it you know to turn up the pain which I talked about what are different ways that I can do you know position myself and so forth so that is why I designed this again I didn't really invent anything about this course I just learned this from 15 years and like I also said already it helped me go from someone who didn't know what he was doing to someone who sold more than 25 million worth of consulting services so it really changed my life and I know it can change yours too now I don't assume that you're completely new you know if you're really new to pitching and selling you can use this material it works wonderfully I take it that a lot of people out there perhaps you have some experience already 
But I want you to ask this question, you know, really think about this question. How much potential, how much money, how much impact are you leaving on the table every year? The answer, I asked myself that question for a few years as we were working with large organizations. I know I left millions on the table. You know, if I had taken a course like this, I actually created this because it was something I wanted to have myself, I would probably, you know, with any type of even pessimistic math, I would have made so much money. We would have so much great project at my agency. You know, everyone would have benefited around me. And again, you know, if you're someone like me, who's been, you know, who, who makes your living from pitching like I did for 15 years, I didn't have to feed only myself. I had to feed like 15 other people every month. I had to bring in like, you know, six figure sums every month. The pressure, the pain of knowing that you had to do that, you know, that was, that was quite a burden. It was, you know, and if I hadn't known you know, the skills, if I didn't develop these skills, which I learned by practicing, by application, by studying, by getting coached, I could never have done this. And I packaged all of these skills into this program. As you can see, I'm pretty fired up about it because, you know, again, what I'm doing right now, it doesn't feel to me like I'm selling. I just want you to, to, to sort of to give it a go, to try it because I know what it can do. I'm all about your results, you know. I really care about the, your future. That's why I'm doing the whole the Future Academy thing. Everything is really about helping entrepreneurially minded people just like you to take their life, their brand, their business to a whole new level. Thank you so much for joining the training. I hope that helped. I hope that inspired you. I hope that gave you something to use. Again, you know, it'd be great if you join Pitch Like a Pro. If you do, you'll be able to access my, you know, person I'm gonna guide you through. We have a social learning platform where you can get help, hands-on help, take your questions, implement these changes, change your brand, change your business and change your life. It's been a privilege. Thank you so much. Until the next time we meet, whether that's on Instagram or whether that's uh, through our, our uh, newsletter or whether that's through our YouTube or any other channels, I'd love to get to know you. I have to, I'd love to interact with you. Thank you so much and make sure you work on those pitching skills. It will change your life. Thank you very much. It's cool as well. Oh. <laughs> I gotta take that again.